Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. At the beginning of 2019, in the Listener podcast group on Workplace, I asked staff to weigh in on what they wanted to hear on the podcast this year, whether it was a topic or a particular person they wanted to hear from. One of the topics that came up at least once was how to stay on staff for the long haul and thrive while you're doing it. That's what I talked about with Gina Butz on today's episode. Gina works in leadership development for Crew, and she has a book coming out in February of 2020 called Making Peace with Change, Navigating Life's Messy Transitions with Honesty and Grace. I hope you enjoy the show. Say what you were just saying before we started recording about the Shawshank Redemption, because I just watched that with Wes uh, last month, and when Darren was on a trip, and I had, you know, I'm always thinking of what I can watch with, he's in high school now, and yeah. movies that I love that maybe he'll like this, yeah. and so we watched we watched Shawshank Redemption together, and he loved it. So yeah. you you yeah. mentioned you just watched it with your son. I did. I watched it. Our son, what, in the spring, he was a freshman in college. And he had never seen Shawshank Redemption. And I thought, oh, he would love this movie. I love this movie. So we watched it together. And the point towards the end where um, one of the characters leaves prison, he's been there like 50 years. Yes, Brooks. And he leaves and he can't handle, he doesn't know how to live in the outside. And then Morgan Freeman's character, is it Red? I can't remember his name. He says something to the effect of like, he's been institutionalized. And I looked at my son and I said, that's how I feel about leaving staff. Like, <laughs> I don't, I feel like I've been institutionalized and I don't know that I could survive in the real world because I was thinking about it. I've been on staff, well, I've been in full-time ministry for 24 years. I was on staff two years with InterVarsity before I joined crew staff. And um, it's, I've been on now in ministry longer than I've not been in ministry, like more than half my life. So Mm -hmm. I really don't know. (laughs) But at the same time, my husband and I love being on staff. And Mm -hmm. I don't, sometimes we'll talk about what would we do if we left staff? And there's nothing that's more appealing to us than that. So we're we're Mm -hmm. heavily invested in, okay, then if we're going to stay here, how do we do this well? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, so Darren and I, my husband Darren and I are 43, and it almost feels like when we turned 40, it was past the point of no return. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, if you haven't shifted <laughs> careers, right. how are you going to take these <laughs> skills into another workplace and yeah. start over? And is that even possible? I don't know. It seems like yeah. a lot of staff maybe leave before they're 35 mm-hmm. and, and make some sort of a career transition, but I think we're with you. Like there just hasn't been any signs that something else has been presented to us to do or something that we desire to do that it's even been this big decision. Oh, are we going to stay on staff or not? It has been really clearly, nope, we're still, we're on for the long haul. So yeah. um, Yeah. (laughs) So you, how many years have you been on staff? 22 with crew. 22. Okay. So Let's talk a little bit more about this, staying Mm -hmm. on staff for the long haul, because you've been on staff longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Also, you've worked in leadership development. So I think Mm -hmm. that you must have processed this with lots of staff. Yeah. What are some of the things that make it hard to stay on staff? Oh, 
gosh, where do you start? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think it, well, first of all, the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. You know, I think we forget that, that um, the fact that we are committing our lives to being on the front lines means that we are under more attack than a lot of people. And when we're not conscious of that, it can be really easy to kind of fall victim to the enemy's attacks without realizing it, whether it's um, just lies about our identity and that it comes from what we do and how successful we are, or just lies that drive us to work too hard or to draw us away from Jesus, whatever it is, I think um, that first and foremost, we have to remember we're, we're going to get more beat up because of where we are. Um, I think I think a lot of what the enemy does too, particularly is just in relationships. We've been really blessed to have amazing teams, um, just in a lot of ways, really healthy teams where there was a lot of openness, a lot of vulnerability. And that, that I think can make or break you on staff. You know, if you have a team where you feel like you can be yourself, you feel supported, you feel encouraged, that can absolutely make, you know, it so much easier but conversely, if you have a team where things are hard, where there's not a lot of open communication, um, I mean, I think that's one of the most common reasons why people leave the mission field from overseas, especially, is team conflict. Um, but I think that's true here in the mission field in America. If, if we have hard team situations and we don't know how to navigate that well, and we don't feel the freedom to address it, that can take you down. What are some things that you've seen that help staff in those two areas, whether it's spiritual battle or with relationships and team dynamics? I think a lot of it is just actually acknowledging it. You know, sometimes I think we have this idea, like being in a ministry, we have to um, pretend like everything's okay and we're always we're always doing well, and we don't acknowledge the the hardships, the the challenges of it. And so I think. Um, there was a time when we were overseas for 13 years and we did a a spiritual warfare class one year. We were at a mid-year conference um, in Thailand and did a great deep dive into spiritual warfare and how does the enemy um, attack us and just just that consciousness. Um, I think there are a lot of resources that are available to us on staff to deal with conflict like the sharpening your interpersonal skills class we took in Thailand too. Um, but even just the willingness to say, hey, <laughs> this is hard, something's happening here, um, let's address it. Um, instead of thinking that, oh, to be a good Christian, to be a good minister of the gospel, everything should be going well all the time. I shouldn't be struggling. This shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have conflict. The reality is we will. So let's, let's talk about it. So number one, no more pretending. Yes. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> we need safe places uh, where we don't have to pretend like everything yes. is okay. And that that transcends ministry. That mm-hmm. is just a life skill. The yeah. more the longer I live, I see we all need a safe place yeah. and relationships where we can tell the truth about For our sure. lives. For sure. Okay, so what about teaming and relationships? Hmm. What are things that you've seen help? Teams. I know you do some team building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some of the things you've done where someone has come back and said, Gina, I'm so thankful that you did this with us because now we function so much better. Has that yeah. happened? 
<laughs> it has actually. Um, one of the things that I've done, I do, some people know that I do this. I, I do a workshop on the Enneagram for different teams at Crew. And it doesn't have to be the Enneagram, but it's simply the fact that people are growing in self-awareness. You know, they grow in understanding, hey, this is what I'm like in conflict. This is what you're like in conflict. Here's how I can love you better when you're upset, when you're feeling stressed. Um, so anything that you can do to increase your understanding of the people on your team and to increase your understanding of yourself and your own personality and what stresses you out, what gives you joy, like all of those things, the more we know ourselves, the more we can communicate to other people and the more we can understand them and love them better. So that's, I think, really important. And, and I think we do a great job with that in a lot of ways, you know, things like the Myers-Briggs or other assessments that help us understand. Sometimes people, you know, we joke about like, oh, we're always doing these assessments, but it is important for us to understand because we do work together so much. Mm. But I think That's the, so, I th- sorry, I go think, ahead. I think the other thing is that, um, one of the things I see take a lot of people out in, in, of being on staff is just that we can easily let our relationship with Jesus become transactional. And I think when it does, then I think we tend to treat the people around us transactionally as well. It's like, okay, Jesus, I have to do a devotional tomorrow morning, so I need you to give me something from the word that I can share. And it's like Jesus becomes the person who works for you, you know, to genie. Yeah, to help you get your job done. And um, instead of it just being about your relationship with him and loving God and being loved by him. Um, And I think the more that we do that, the more that is our focus, the more that just overflows into the way that we relate to one another. And oftentimes I think conflict that we have on teams is because we aren't resting securely in our own relationship with Jesus and we're looking to other people to be something for us that they can't be, or we're, we're letting our own issues come out on other people that really we need to take to Jesus first. Um, you know, we're, we're all about the Great Commission in crew, which is great. But I think sometimes we, we equate the Great Commission with the Great Commandment. And like, it is the Great Commandment. And the, great, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. And so we can't let that trump everything else. Like, as long as I'm getting the work done, it doesn't matter how I treat my team or how I treat, you know, how we interact with one another. That's not true. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the end. That's not the end game. It's not a, the ends justify the means. So it doesn't matter if I get along with people as long as the work's getting done. Um, you know, God's purpose for us is not necessarily to be productive, although that, you know, he wants us to be fruitful, but not if it's coming at the expense of not loving others well. Um, so I think, you know, staying in the, for the long haul is, do I have good rhythms of connecting with Jesus, just, just for the sake of connecting with him, not because I'm in ministry, but just because I love him. Okay, so let's recap. Number one was yeah. no more pretending. Yeah. Number two was understand yourself and others. Yeah. This is so important. Even this morning and, and one hour ago, I was I was planning my morning. I had my work all scheduled out. And before our workday started, after the kids went to school, Darren was like, hey, you want to go to a coffee shop and get coffee just for a few minutes? And of course I said, sure, it's right by your house. So we went over to get coffee. And while we were there, he opened his computer and started asking me about 
this project that we're working on together. And I was totally thrown off. I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't think about this right now. Mm-hmm. And this is because our Myers-Briggs are different. He's mm-hmm. a P and I'm a J. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I can't work on this with you right now. And I really want to, but mm-hmm. if it's not like, I'm already thinking about my podcast with Gina mm-hmm. and I like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need to think about this for, and an, so put it in my schedule and then we'll talk about it then. And yeah, but that is something Mars Briggs is one of our favorites and it's so helpful with kind of the unstructured P like Darren mm-hmm. is like he mm-hmm. can just more easily, he's more flexible like yeah. that. And yeah. the J like if it's not in my calendar and so I haven't thought about it. Right. It's like my brain can't even go there. Oh yeah. So it's even helpful in marriage just <laughs> yeah, to for sure. understand each other and it's not right or wrong. It's just right. different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For okay. Sure. So number three be lo- was no transactional relationships. Yeah. Relationships should be about love. Right. Exactly. And Jesus has to be first. I mean, I think it's so easy to start to feel like, oh, I spend all this time with Jesus, right? Because everything I do is about the kingdom and it's about the Great Commission. But you can be really busy for God and not spend any time with Him at all. And if we lose that connection, then what what are we doing it for? I think that just breaks God's heart that we're so busy for Him, but we're not actually connecting with Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does that look like for you to spend time with God and have it not be transactional. So it's something you do the same way every time or is it different from Yeah, that's a great day question. Day? Um, for me, I think a lot of it because I'm um, a pretty high um, capacity, high intensity, like I, I will on my own, I will actually schedule my whole day out and leave no room for anything else. So um, for me, it's a commitment to spending time with Jesus first thing in the morning before I do anything else, before I open my phone or anything. Um, And I actually have been trying to practice a a discipline of silence. I call it the discipline of existence because it's so hard for me to just sit in silence and have no agenda with Jesus. Just I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy your presence and I'm going to enjoy you enjoying me and, and think about the fact that you are so glad that I showed up here this morning and, and just like to, to spend that time just like thinking about the character of God, thinking about who he is, just enjoying him. That's been a really important practice for me, just to remind myself the second my feet hit the ground in the morning, I'm loved and I haven't done anything, you know? So I think, I think for each of us, it's a little different. What, what's the truth that you deeply need to hear from Jesus to remind yourself that you're already at home, you don't have to go seek it, Nothing you do today is going to earn it or prove it or anything. Um, I think also just having disciplines of um, of rest built into our schedule. Both Eric and I are pretty um, pretty busy, high achieving kind of people. Um, so, like one of the things that we've tried to do is have a, a day a month where we just go for a while. We depending on the time of the year, we'll go to the beach or we'll go to a garden or something and just. It's funny, I thought initially we were doing like a day with the Lord and we went to the beach one day and I looked over and he's got like a copy of Fast Company. And I was like, wait, what? I thought this was, wait, there was spending time with Jesus. And he's like, oh, I thought this was just a reading day. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, but you Do you know, think you can read Fast Company on a day with the Lord? <laughs> Probably. I think, it, I think maybe you can. <laughs> what if you're talking to Jesus about it while you're doing it? Maybe, maybe. 
So, um, but, you know, just having those times to get away and just exist apart from our ministry, because it's so easy for it to just consume your whole life. Um, yeah, and I think along with that, I think remembering that we're holistic beings, um, you know, that it's not just about the spiritual, it's about caring for ourselves physically and mentally and emotionally, and do we have good habits of those things, and remembering that those things are really important to God. You know, He doesn't want us just to be workhorses for the kingdom. He wants us to be whole human beings, you know, who have needs and have limitations, and that we would respect those and live within them and know that God is so grateful and happy that we live within those limits, you know, that we're not Mm -hmm. pushing beyond the boundaries of them. And I think remembering that too reminds me, yeah, God isn't pleased with me because I work for him. You know, he's, that's just an overflow of my relationship with him. So a lot of it is just really having to consistently remind ourselves that we're already at home, you know? Um, and I, I think there was a point in my life where I did a lot of work in that, um, just a lot of work around my identity in Christ and, you know, that I'm his beloved child. And I, I really felt like I, I spent so much time reading, studying, praying, thinking about that, that I felt like, oh, I'm all, like, I've got this solid place in me now, right? And I'm always going to live from this place. And I realized over time, because I kind of moved away from the habit of, you know, constantly feeding myself that truth, that I'm a leaky vessel. And that, you know, pretty soon I'm like, oh, here I am back to the same, trying to seek my identity outside of myself and what I do. And it's just made me realize if I'm going to stay in this kind of ministry that's always asking so much of me, I need to be super intentional about feeding myself the truth that I'm, this is not what I, who I am. This is just what I do. And it has no, it's no reflection on my value or my worth. And it's just meant to be an overflow. So I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's recognizing, you know, that there's so much that does drain us that we have to be filling ourselves frequently. Okay, so number four was Jesus first. Yeah. And number five was resting well. Yeah, yeah. These are Gina's Gina's (laughs) lessons for staying on staff for the long haul. What do you want to say more about resting well? Well, I think just resting well is part of, I think, the broader point of just being holistically healthy. So whatever that means for you, you know, whether it's I need to work through some emotional things, so I'm going to go see a counselor. Or um, I'm not doing well relationally. I need to seek some better community. You know, I need to have more fun in my life. <laughs> like, my husband and I are realizing this. Like, one of the, one of the things that we do for fun is, is watch our daughter play soccer, and she's graduating this year. I'm like, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do with ourselves? Um, John, John Rogers has already promised that he will do some counseling with us because, you know, they had six kids who all did soccer and they had to (laughs) process that. Like, what do we do now? Um, yeah. So I think whatever it is, you know, if it's mental health or emotional health or physical health, you know, giving ourselves the freedom and permission to carve out time for those things. Cause Mm -hmm. otherwise we'll, we will burn out or we'll become bitter. Um, it's just one of the ways I think the enemy whispers to us that, you know, we, we, it's selfish to do those things or we don't have time, you know, there's more to do. And I think it it takes a lot of humility and trust to have good patterns of rest and, 
self-care. So number five is actually, we're going to change it to holistically healthy and resting well is a part of that. And I love that you brought up counseling because Darren and I have been seeing a counselor this fall who's helping us. This is the first time we've ever Mm -hmm. gone and seen a counselor. We've been married for 16 years, Mm. but she is helping us look at our families of origin Mm -hmm. and how just our the the ways that we're brought up and everything that seeps into us from I mean we both have pretty great families but nobody's perfect and right. culturally we're, our families just have a bit some big differences and so mm. mm-hmm. she's helping us see how does that affect our family our marriage our parenting what's what what is you know what are we teaching our children just by being who we are and yeah so. Yeah, counseling, that can be a part of that holistic healthiness, right? For sure, yeah. Knowing our stories is so important, I think, especially, too, I think it impacts going back to, you know, team dynamics. You know, we tend to play the role on a team that we played in our family growing up. So, you know, it's it's so important to to know ourselves well. Yeah, knowing Mm -hmm. our story. I love how you Mm -hmm. said that. I It reminds me even of how story is being woven into our evangelism tools. Mm-hmm. We, I was on a team retreat last weekend with the comms team, and we were at a restaurant looking through the I Am From cards, which are still being developed into this conversation slash evangelism tool. And it was awesome. It's all mm-hmm. about like, do what do you know about where you're from? And there's yeah. all these different categories and question cards. And the waitress came up to our table, and she was looking at the cards she said I've been trying to figure out what game you're playing and (laughs) we said oh it's it's this new tool that our organization is developing Mm -hmm. and it's about where where you're from and we asked her where are you from and she was she said I don't or no we didn't ask where you're from we asked her about her heritage or some some kind of question and she was like I don't know huh you know and just watching her think through the fact that she doesn't know where she's from. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we ended up leaving the cards with her. And of course, like with our email, like, let us know what you think of these. And, but I do think that, that some of it is just learning to even learn your story. Like you don't automatically know. And like our, your family history, Mm -hmm. that the story of your ancestors, right. Some of us don't know at all. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to learn culturally yeah. about ourselves and others. Yeah. Yeah, I think another thing that's been helpful um, in thinking about being on staff for the long haul is just, it kind of goes back to knowing ourselves well, but I think the more that we know what we're really passionate about and what we're gifted in, um, it one of the things I think is great about crew is like, you know, we have lawyers on staff with crew. We have writers. We have you know, digital strategists. Like we have people who do all kinds of different things and there's a lot of freedom to to explore a different path within crew. And so not to limit ourselves to think like, oh, I have to be on campus or, you know, that there's just these limited um, things to do. Like when we were first overseas, we were on campus. But one of the guys in our city really quickly realized that Eric, my husband, had a lot of gifts and operations um, which, I mean, at the time, I didn't even know what operations was. Yeah. But, um, you know, for him, that just, I mean, it's like he was born to do it. So 
for him to be able to serve, you know, at, at the local level, the regional level, and then um, now globally. And then for me, it was great to feel the freedom of like, well, that's actually, I, I'm so glad that we do operations, but I have no giftedness in operations or, you know, interest in that. So for me to realize my passion for leadership development and for staff care and to feel the freedom to move that direction, I think sometimes, especially as couples too, we have this idea like, oh, we have to stay on the same team. Um, and, and as some people really value that they want to work together, which is great, but I think, um, you know, it can be limiting sometimes to think, oh, well, how do I fit into your team? So for us, that's meant a lot of transitioning. We had to move to different countries. It's been a, it's been a joy to be able to move into new places where we feel like we can use our gifts, but it's also meant a lot of transition and a lot of grief. And, um, and I don't think we always give ourselves space to process that well. Um, because even if it's something that you want to do, transition dis- is re- disruptive. And um, I was just thinking about a, a girl that I coached a few years ago who was asked to take a different role in career. And it wasn't really a role that she wanted to take, but it was just needed and she had the gifting for it. And she wanted to just like be like, okay, it's fine. God is good. Let's move on. And I'm like, no, let's, let's sit in this and actually grieve it. Like, because you've lost something and that's okay to say that you've lost it. And just let yourself process it fully because I think the more that we do that, the more we become the kind of people who walk well with others, not just in transition, but I think in any kind of disruption and any kind of trial. Um, again, it gets back to like, there's, there's this feeling like we have to pretend everything's okay and put on a brave face and say, God is good and you know it's all gonna work out. But that's true. And at the same time, God is in the hard things. And we can meet him in the hard things if we acknowledge, you know, this is difficult. Our, our organization changes a lot, whether it's, you know, structural changes, there's, you know, department changes, we move to a different team or whatever it is. And to give ourselves space to grieve, that's really important. Otherwise, I think we tend to either shut down and kind of numb ourselves to things, or we can become bitter and frustrated and that lingers, you know, so... Just recognizing transition, like we tend to want to like get back to normal, quote unquote normal, as quickly as possible, you know, because we feel like we're supposed to be fruitful, right? That's one of our values is to be fruitful. Um, But we translate that to productive and that they're not the same thing. Um, We can be fruitful as we're processing well, as we're walking through something hard and we're doing it with Jesus and we're, and we're listening to his voice and we're worshiping in the midst of hard things, like that's very fruitful. So when we make it our goal to be productive, um, I think we kind of blow past a lot of the lessons that God has for us when things are hard and when things change on staff. So all that to say, I think giving ourselves space to process um, when things change is really important to stay in the long haul because, you know, hard things do come, hard things do happen, and, um, and Jesus is there and wants to meet us and and minister to us. Okay, so number six was know your strengths and Mm -hmm. gifts. Yeah. And number seven is navigate transition well, which includes grieving sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it reminds me of this article on your blog, which is... 
ginabullets.com mm-hmm. backslash blog. <laughs> um, and you wrote this art. It's actually from May. It's called Finding God in the Wilderness. And mm. you talked about speaking at a women's conference and um, talking about finding God in the wilderness, but mm-hmm. then you were actually in a good place when you were giving that talk. But then yeah. after the talk, you found yourself <laughs> in the wilderness again, yes. and you were like, oh, I no. need to, yeah. let me go back and listen to my talk again <laughs> right. so I can remember what I was telling yes. the women at, at that. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, there have been, I would say, a number of times on staff where I've felt like God has led me through the wilderness. And it's the kind of thing where you come out on the other side and you think like, wow, God showed me so much and that was great and I grew. But then the next time it comes around, you're like, no, (laughs) can't you teach Mm -hmm. me growth through like nice walks in the woods and playing? Yeah, you never want to go back in the wilderness. No, no, you don't. And I think this this year for me, um, I've had some health issues that that kind of come and go, and they've I've seen different doctors and can't really figure out what's wrong, and um, so it feels very much out of my control. Um, and I've tried different things and nothing helps, and so I'm just sort of at the mercy of my body. And um, it, initially in the spring, when it was all happening, and it was it was worse in the spring. Um, I, I was able to come to a place where I was like, okay, God, this is where you have me. You are the God in the wilderness. And I did go back and look at that talk and be like, okay, sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, but he's here with me in the wilderness and he led me here. And I will, I will choose to be content with it and believe that if I'm still here, it's because he wants me here. And then I had a period of time where things settled down and I felt okay. And I almost was sad because I was like, oh, I, I don't want to lose this intimacy that I've had with you, mm-hmm. Jesus. And then they came back, and I was like, I changed my mind. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't want to go back. I don't want to no, go back. No, still, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and so it's kind of been in and out of the wilderness. And, um, you know, I think there was a time, our last year overseas, I had about a four-month period where I felt like I was just in kind of a dark hole. And I felt very convinced that God had put me in that place, Um and so I felt like, okay, well, this is, I just got to sit here and trust. But it was really frustrating, you know, when you don't know, why am I here? What is God doing? And um, the passage that kept coming to mind for me was when Jesus is um, with his disciples, and, and it says that his teaching was really hard, and so some people left. And he looks at his disciples and he says, Do you want to leave me too? And I think that's such a vulnerable question that Jesus asks. Like, in that moment, Jesus would, I think he was, he would have been deeply saddened if they left. Like he, he was human and he wanted them to stay with him. And so he knew you might leave me because my teaching is too hard. And, and I think that's sometimes true on staff. It's like, do you want to leave too? Do you want to leave? Because this is really hard what I ask, what I'm asking you to do. And the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I feel like that's, that's one of the things that in the wilderness I come back to where Jesus is like, are you going to follow me, Jesus, and, or Gina, and do what I'm asking because I do things for you, because I make you successful, because I give you good things? Or will you stay when it gets really, really hard and you don't know what I'm doing? Will you stay just because you love me and just because I'm, you know, I'm God and we're in a relationship Um, And it's not about what I do for you. So 
I think that's, that's one of the things that holds me in places of wilderness that God has taken us through on staff is, yeah, this is hard, but where would I go? You know, and not, not necessarily that it means that you would never leave staff, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't want to leave Jesus because he has the words of eternal life. Um, and he is faithful to continue to walk us through these things. Well, I'm wanting to not just assume I should leave staff if I'm in a wilderness, yes. that it's, it's more complex than that. And yeah. making sure this isn't just part of my staff journey mm-hmm. is, is this wilderness. It yeah. doesn't automatically mean, well, maybe I'm supposed to leave staff, right. but it could be yeah. part of an eventual transition off staff is what I hear you saying. Yeah. 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 I think it, it ultimately just comes back to, you know, God is not about us doing things for him. It's about us being in relationship with him and being on staff is just, it's a byproduct of that. It's not, it's not the end game, you know, it's not the goal. Yeah. Now I want to ask about what you said about, he's not about us doing things for him. And I know what you mean, but mm-hmm. is there a way to say it? So it's like, cause I do feel like he is inviting me into the things that he is doing in yeah. a very exciting adventurous way is mm-hmm. is the way I like to describe it. So it's not like he only cares about right. being with me. He right. it, there is this exciting invitation like come and see what I'm doing. Yeah. And and be in it with me. Right. And I and I have made you a specific way so that you can play these certain parts mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. But that changes it, right? Then yeah. it's not duty. It's like an invitation right. from the creator into his kingdom work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it really comes down to, um, I, like I think of uh, in Ephesians 2 when it talks about, you know, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But that word workmanship, you know, it's the word poema, which is where we get the word poem. And it's this idea that, like, he's created something really amazing in us. And who we are, just in who who he's made us to be, is a joy and a blessing apart from what we do. But also, we were created to do good things. And when we do them, it's life-giving. And I think that's the thing is, you know, of course, you're not going to love 100% of your job all the time, right? But when we find what we're really created to do, it's life-giving, and, and I think God wants us to find those things. He wants us to find the ways that we use our gifts and passions that make us come alive because that's so glorifying to him. So yeah, it's not an either or, it's, it's both and. It's God calls us into relationship with him and he calls us into what he's already doing and the work of his kingdom. And it's meant to be this joy and blessing that we get to work with him, but it's as opposed to we, we work for him to earn his favor or to earn our spot or to prove ourselves or anything that's detached from relationship. I love that workmanship is, is it the Greek word, mm-hmm. poema? So we, it's like we are a poem that God's writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I understand. That's the way that it's been explained to me and I understand it. Just this idea that when you think about poetry, how you craft, you craft it so carefully, every word. And that idea that God has just uniquely crafted each of us in this way that he delights in. 
and that he wants to show off to the world and he wants to use us to glorify himself in the world. I think it's just such a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, Gina, let's talk about your book. It's coming yeah. out in Febu- February 4th, 2020. Yes, yes February and 4th. And it's... So that's when we can get it. Well, I'm sure we can. Is there like a pre-order? Well, before we get to that, tell us about your book, because I know it fits in with what we're talking about, about change and transition. Yeah. Yeah. The book is called Making Peace with Change, Navigating Life's Messy Transitions with Honesty and Grace. Um, and it, it, a lot of it comes from stories of of being on staff and the transitions that we've been through, whether it was moving overseas or becoming a mom and trying to navigate being a mom in ministry. Um, but it's, I, I love the, how they, the publisher was the one that came up with the subtitle. And I love that they use the words honesty and grace, because I think they, they both have to be true. Like we, it's important for us to be honest about what is hard and everything that we've been talking about, you know, when team conflict is there, let's talk about it. Like, don't pretend it doesn't exist. Or, you know, when, if you're struggling, like we need to talk about it because it's an, it, it invites other people in and it invites God into what is hard. And then that's where we find grace. And whether it's the grace of leaning into God and his character that doesn't change from place to place and job to job, or it's leaning into community and the the grace that we can find there with other people. Um, So I think we have to do both. We have to both be honest about what's hard in transition, but we also have to know there is always grace for this. And the more I acknowledge what is hard, the more I experience his grace. You know, I love that. And I think I've been thinking so much about hope Hmm. lately Mm -hmm. and like, um, the hope that we have yeah. in Christ, which is this major theme yeah. and which we need in this life that's mm-hmm. so full of changes. And it's even, it. I was reminded of hope when I watched Shawshank Redemption with Wes, because it's a major theme mm-hmm. in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I, the day after I watched it with him, I actually read the Stephen King novella that this book is, that the movie's based on. It's called... Hmm dreaming of Rita Hayworth or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's a short story that the movie's based on. And the last line in the book is the last few lines is all about hope. Mm -hmm. It's red and he's on the bus and he's heading for Mexico, but he hasn't crossed the border and he's like Mm -hmm. hoping he's going to cross the border and he's Mm -hmm. hoping he's going to see his friend again. And, And the last lines in the book is I hope Hmm. And I think there's something so, um, well, and by the way, in the book, he doesn't get there. We see it in the movie that uh, he gets there, but uh-huh. in the book, it's very much about his faith and his uh, hope in this love that he has. It's, yeah. a, it's a very, very um, redemptive hmm. Christian, Christian themes going on there. But mm-hmm. um, I think we have to have that hope, yeah. right? yeah. yeah. And that's, there's actually, that's a big theme throughout my book because I, what I, what I take a look at is just some of the things that we need to, where's, where do we need to be honest? You know, we need to be honest about what's hard and what we've lost. We honest about what desires are stirred in us in transition and honest about the expectations that we have, because we walk into every new situation with expectations of 
how things will go and what God will do for us and what others will do for us. And if we don't acknowledge those expectations, we will probably be disappointed because people won't know them and they won't meet them. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, but then what does hope look like in transition? And I think this idea of what does it look like to hope in God alone? Not hope that he will do something for me. He, he, you know, he probably will, right? He's a good God. But can I just hope in the giver and not the gifts that he gives me? And I think there's an invitation always in transition to, to plant ourselves in a deeper place, not in the, the circumstances, not in the things that God gives, but really just who he is and who he says we are. And I think the more we do that, that just it creates this solid place that we can live from, that you know the storms of life don't knock us over as much anymore because we we have a solidness in a in something that doesn't change. Number eight yeah. on Gina's lessons for staying on staff was <laughs> I'm going to change it to Gina's lessons for thriving because yeah. I feel like so yeah. much of this translate to, translates to anyone's life and some people that listen mm. aren't on staff so. Mm. Yeah. Number eight is yeah. hope. Can number eight be hope? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things um, I was talking with a friend of mine, Mary Peterson. I was interviewing her for my book, and I she was asking me what what are you exactly are you trying to to say? And I said, well, you know, I'm trying to say like, you know, there's hard things, there's hard things in transition, but there's also way like places where we can really hope. And we, how do we hope? And she said, well, so what you want really is the gospel. I mean, that's, this is what it is. It's the gospel. In, in the gospel, there are things that have to die in order for there to be new life. And, and there's despair, but there's hope. And I feel like that's just true in every situation. You know, it's like, what is God calling us to die to? Where is he calling us to live and, let, and to live in him? And so, yeah, that idea that there's always hope. There's always a way to hope because of who Jesus is, that he's always in this process of converting us in a sense of, let these old things die because I'm doing something new in you. And the more that we acknowledge what has to die, the more we make space for that which can live and that which we can hope in. That's so it could be summarized by saying, get busy living mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or get busy dying. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It all comes back to Shawshank in the end. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, that falls un- under number eight, under hope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Gina, tell us more about how we can um, stay connected with you and what you're doing and when your book's coming out. And Yeah. Well, you could, um, you could follow me on my blog, like you mentioned, ginabutz.com slash blog. There's a way to subscribe um, on my blog. And I'm guessing as the time gets closer, we'll start you know, giving out some chapters of the book and things like that. But um, you can pre-order it right now on Amazon and on our Daily Bread Publishing um, and the more people pre-order, it's a good thing because then Amazon stocks more. Um, so it's fantastic. And it makes my day when somebody tells me that they pre-ordered it. Um, so yeah, those are the main things. Um, and uh, I'm on Facebook. I um, have a writer page. Gina Brenna Butz um, is where people can follow me with regard to my book. 